Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. My name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to bring the message today. So uh, if you have a Bible, do me a favor, open up to Acts 15. That's where we're going to be today, Acts 15. While you're turning there, let's just get on the same page. So we are in a series right now called The Why. And, uh, okay, Bert's ADD. I'm going to walk right into this every time. I know it. I'm going to walk right into it. Like, and I never have, but one of these days I might. And so I'm just going to move that. Um, so we're in the series right now called The Why. And what we're doing in this series is we're asking, okay, why do we do what we do? Like, why does our church exist? Why are we about the things that we're about? Why do we do any of this? And so in week one, we said, listen, the whole reason that we're here is because we are a called people. Like this church, it didn't come about because, you know, I or anybody else thought it was a good idea. We followed a leading of the Holy Spirit who we believe spoke and said, start this church uh, here. And, and we've been doing this for 14 years. Um, I know. And then week two, so it's okay, listen, so what that means is that it, we are a called people. Like we're called people, that's a really big deal to us, that we, that we rest not in our own, hey, we've worked this out, but instead, no, the Lord in his infinite wisdom and kindness has decided that this church should be a thing, which is such a privilege. Week two, we said, okay, we're called, and that's great, but okay, why is it that we would be called? What is it that the Lord wants to do? And we realized, and we said, okay, well, listen, we're called to bring the gospel to this community because this community needs the gospel. People need to know about the love of God. They need to know that Jesus has died for their sin and risen from the dead and everybody who places their faith in Christ will be saved from an eternity apart from God. That salvation is not a thing that you earn. Instead, it's a gift of God given by faith. And that was last week. And so now you go, well, what else is there to say, right? Well, a lot, I'm doing a series, you guys. So just, man, get off my case. No, um, so um, what we're going to talk about today is, okay, well, if that's why we do church, the next question becomes, well, why do we do church the way that we do it? I mean, you realize this or not, but there's all kinds of different ways to do church. And we're not saying that anyone is right or wrong. We're just saying, like, for us, this is why we do church in the way that we do. Maybe, maybe you come in, and this is not necessarily, like, the, the church environment that you're used to. Maybe it's a little more chill, or maybe it's a little more, I don't know, techno-y, you know, like... Some people, they, they're used to everybody wearing robes. They're used to stained glass, and you come in here, and it looks like a nightclub, and you're like, what in the world? Like, what, what is this? Um, well, we want to talk about why we do it like this. And so to do that, uh, we're going to look at a passage in the New Testament uh, in Acts 15 where uh, we're going to learn something from the early uh, church, actually the first church ever in terms of their heart for ministry, their heart for people, and how it guided the kinds of decisions that they made. And so let me just give you a little bit of background because, guys, this is so fun. Um, we are about to read about the first great controversy of the church, like of 2,000 years. Like, now, there have been all kinds of controversies like throughout the last 2,000 years, right? Okay, but this is the first one ever. This is the one where like, hey, people are actually, like they have a council and they have a debate. And, like, and, and what, here's what it stems down to, okay? So the gospel, it, it, um, what happens... Jesus dies, he rises, he ascends up into heaven, then he sends the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, right? And this movement called Christianity begins, and every first Christian leader was Jewish. And they're going and they're reaching Jewish people. And they're seeing, and then like quasi-Jewish people. But then you have these guys named Paul and Barnabas, and they start reaching non-Jewish people. And 
to be fair, Peter had done that once before, but really, like, Paul and Barnabas' ministry is categorized by reaching non-Jewish people, or what they would call Gentiles, right? And so now this question becomes, listen, we as Jewish people, we've been observing uh, the Old Testament law, 600-plus commands that God gave through Moses to the nation of Israel. And, and we've never had to question, okay, what does it look like for somebody to follow God if they're not Jewish? Because it's just been, if you're like, okay, if you're going to follow God, you become Jewish and you do all these things. But now they're faced with this, okay, well, hold on. Um, but is all of the law for all people? Because there's all kinds of things in the law. There's moral stuff. There's like, okay, like this is sin, this is not, okay? There, there's ceremonial stuff, okay? Like here's like purity rites and washings. There's priestly stuff. There's, there's like nation governmental stuff because they were what's called a theocracy. In other words, they were a God-centered government. But the new covenant doesn't look like that. It's, it's king is not of this world. And, and the new covenant doesn't have a temple and priests in the way that they did in the old covenant. So, so what's, like, what do we do? And so you have this moment where like, okay, all these like Gentiles are converting, but the, the church leaders, they have no idea what to do with it. And so a, a divide begins to take place. On the one hand, you have people who actually, many of them, they used to be Pharisees and they decided to follow Jesus after he rose from the dead. Now, that's just kind of cool, right? Like, the Jesus' biggest critics, actually, many of them actually converted after his resurrection. Like, that's pretty neat. But the Pharisees, they've placed their identity in being Jewish and being really good at keeping Jewish law. And so they're going, all right, look, in order for somebody to be right with God, they need to believe in Jesus and also keep these 600-plus commands. Chief of them is what was called circumcision, I don't need to explain that, right? We know what that, okay, all right. But then you have, at the other end, you've got the, the disciples, you've got the apostles, and they're going like, hold on, hold on. Guys, guys, look, that's gonna be a really, really awkward and not well-attended altar call, okay? <laughs> if we go, who wants to come to Christ? And also, let me get the knife, hands up, just as I, like nobody's walking forward with that. <laughs> and so this council convenes. And they decide, we're going to work this out. And so this is in Acts 15. We're going to start in verse 5. It says this. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Verse 6. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. And he's going to tell them about that time that he went to meet this, this Roman centurion named Cornelius when like, these are the first Gentiles who ever become Christians. Like, remember, like, Peter proclaims the gospel. Then we read this earlier in the year. And, like, while he's still telling about Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on everybody there, these people who aren't law followers. And so he says this. Uh, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. In other words, Peter's going, listen, yeah, we're observing the customs of our ancestors as good Jewish men and women, but let's just acknowledge none of that saved us. 
Only Jesus did that. Can, can I just tell you that this morning? Maybe you come in and you, you've, you've come to believe in a law as well. You've come to believe, listen, unless I do these things, God won't like me. Right? Here, here's what you need to hear. The gospel rests on God's grace, not on your works. It rests on Jesus' faithfulness, not yours. The gospel says Jesus was faithful. You weren't, and so he died in your place. It doesn't rest on you at all. And that's exactly what Peter is saying right now. And so they're sitting there, and they're, and they're like, they're going back and forth. Like, oh, what do we do? I don't know. All right. And so finally, they, they call in uh, Paul and Barnabas, who are sort of the chief uh, evangelists or missionaries, if you will, to the Gentiles. And verse 12, it says this, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to, Paul, or to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. So, hey, guys, we're doing this, and God's confirming our preaching. He's, he's testifying to them, all this stuff. Um, and it, and it's, it's amazing. And they're going, well, like, where is, uh, like, what is it that we should do? And so he continues. When they finished, James spoke up. And James, by the way, is, he's not James the Apostle. He's James, the brother of Jesus. Okay, so James the Apostle at this point is dead, but, but James, the brother of Jesus, by the way, you also have to ask the question, okay, like what would make somebody come to believe that their brother is the son of God? Right? And the answer is the resurrection. Like, like James did not believe in Jesus until Jesus died and rose. You went, okay, maybe there's something in what you've been saying. All right, so James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened and chose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. And so now what he's doing, he's quoting Amos 9, and he's going, listen, like God's plan was always to reach the rest of the world. And so he says, this is this prophecy from Amos 9, uh, verse 16. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things. Things known from long ago. Now listen, like verse 19 is the crux of this. I really want you to focus on what, what James says to it. So he says this. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we, and I just highlight this, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. See that again, okay? We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, what he's saying is, okay, look, People are like they're receiving Christ. We should make it so that we don't get anything in their way with that presentation of the gospel. Now, really quick, are they saying that sin doesn't exist? No, they're not. But what they're saying is, okay, all this law stuff, when it comes to ceremony, when it comes to temple rights, when it comes to priests, when it comes to legislation and, and like, you know, how we have kings behave and all this stuff, because that's not the gospel. We should not put any hurdles between somebody receiving the gospel and uh, their relationship with Christ. Let's just make it as simple as we can. In other words, we can say it like this, okay? The gospel in its nature is offensive. It is, because it says there's one way to heaven, his name is Jesus, okay? And you can't earn your way to God. The gospel in its nature is offensive, but hear me, okay? Let's make sure that it's the gospel that's offending and not the other stuff, okay? And so they take this and they vote yes. They are, you know what? James is right. This is what we should do. Okay, and so then what they do is they send a uh, letter to the Gentiles 
who were converting. And so here, let's just jump forward to verse 22. It says this. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Barnabas and Paul. They chose Judas, not Iscariot, different, different Judas, okay, uh, named Barsabbas and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter, okay? And now what they're gonna do is they're gonna read to them and just a little fun thing about first century letters, they sign them at the beginning. So if you're like, why are they saying who they are? It's just how they did it, okay? And so they're saying this official letter, okay, guys, now you as, as Christians, even though you're Gentiles, here's what we're going to require of you if you're going to follow Jesus. Here's the laws for the Gentiles. You guys ready? This big moment, 600 commands. What's it gonna look like now? It's gonna look like this. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings. Sup? I might be paraphrasing there. Okay. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. In other words, these Pharisees were going and they're saying you got to keep the law, and they're going, we didn't tell them to say that. So we all agreed and chose some men and sent them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. Okay, so here it is. <laughs> I just love how chill they are. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Like, James, seemed? Yeah, it seemed. We kind of got this feeling this is what God wanted to do. <laughs> like, it's so, like, there's not like, therefore, thus saith the Lord. So, yeah, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Uh, not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Here they are. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell! <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold uh, on. Guys, that's four things. Like, what? Uh, well, hold on. Like, are you, really quick, are you guys saying that murder isn't a sin? No, they're not saying that. What they're talking about is they're getting rid of everything when it comes to the priestly, the liturgical, the ceremonial stuff. Like, the moral stuff still remains. And you know this because, listen, the guys who wrote this, they wrote a lot of other stuff where they articulate their thought in great detail about what's sin and what isn't. And, 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 but the reason they choose these four things is, and this is really important to know, okay? Because they recognize, listen, if there are Gentile Christians who want to follow God, if they're doing these four things, their Jewish brothers and sisters will not associate with them. In other words, hey, listen, if they're eating strangled stuff or, or uh, stuff that's been sacrificed to idols or, or they're being sexually immoral, meaning like they're practicing any kind of sexual activity outside of one man and one woman in marriage, uh, they're ceremonially un unclean. Now, by the way, is it saying that that, that that kind of stuff is not a sin? No, they've absolutely articulated elsewhere it's absolutely a sin, but they mean this from a, a, cere or a ceremonial viewpoint. Listen, to do this will make your body unclean. And so they're going, listen, if you're practicing this stuff, just Jewish Christians will not associate with you. And so to make it so we're one family in God, listen, it's not on you to keep, like the law is not for you anymore, but this is the stuff we're just going to ask of you. Okay, now here's why this is important. Just look at it one more time. Okay, these four things, all right? Uh, this is verse 29 again. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Okay, so here's, 
I know you're like, weren't we going to talk about uh, why we do church the way that we do? Yes, this is why we don't eat food that's been strangled. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but, but, but look at this. Okay, 600 plus commands boiled down to four. I want you to see what they just did there, okay? Let me say it like this. So for the longest time, I only ever read this passage from the perspective of a Gentile. Okay, listen, all right, you know, like Jewish people, they're, they're, they're you, know, you know, if they're observing the Old Testament law, they're, they're kosher, right? Well, I love bacon. And I would read this passage and I would go, oh, that's why I can eat bacon, praise God. Yes and Amen. Okay, but stay with me. But the act of sacrifice that they gave was completely lost on me. Here's the thing, okay? Um, they just gave up their entire heritage for somebody to receive the gospel. I, I could say it like this, okay? So um, you, you could talk about... Uh, the history of Jewish people maintaining the law. We could talk about the Maccabean Revolt. We could talk about Pharisees during the reign of Antiochus Epiphanes laying down their necks and being like, you can cut off our heads, but we will not forsake the law of God. Like, they've known people who have been through, who've been persecuted for this, who, who have uh, maybe died for this to maintain it in this, this, this Roman pluralistic society. People's like blood has been shed in order for the law to remain. Let me take it a step further. They've grown up as Jewish men and, and women, and they've got synagogue, and they've got this is how you have religious customs, and this is how like you connect with God. In fact, they've got religious customs that, and this is so huge, they've got religious customs that were given to them by God himself. And here's why this is important, okay? Because when they say this, again, look at uh, Acts 15 and 19. It says this. It says, we should not make it difficult. Who bring up here, guys? 15, 19. Um, there we go. It's on the screen. Okay, it's on the back screen. We should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are, who are turning to God, okay? Here's why this is important. Because they're giving up all of their preferences and traditions. All right, so, so let me say it like this. Um, all of us have, if I could just differentiate, okay? All of us have these two things, and they have them as well. I want to just parse the difference between the two. There are such things as customs and convictions. Customs and convictions. Now, customs, they're how we do things. And all of us have these. Like maybe for you, you come into church and you've got an idea of what church should look like. And it comes from like maybe you grew up in church and you've got, okay, you like, there's, there was Sunday school and there was a certain kind of building and there's a certain kind of dress code and there's a certain kind of music and there's a certain maybe translation of the Bible that was read. These are customs. But then there's convictions. And convictions are right and wrong. What does the scripture say is right about life? What does the scripture say is wrong about life? Okay. And they have these as well. They had this experience. Okay, listen, this is how we do church. This is what church looks like. This is, okay, in order for us to walk with God, in order for us to, to engage with him in life and community, this is what church should be. And in a moment, they go, listen, if my means of church stops somebody from receiving Christ, my means of church is in the wrong. Now, this is really big, church. Stay with me, okay? This is the thing, like, I, I just, if we're talking about, like, why we do church in the way that we do, here's the thing I need you to realize, okay? And if you're taking notes, write this down. Customs are up for grabs. Convictions are not. 
Let me say that again. Like, we're just learning this in this passage. Customs are up for grabs. Convictions are not. Customs, okay, like this is what church should look like. This is what church should be. This is how it should feel. And we think that it's holy. We think, okay, listen, if it's not like this, like if the song is less than 100 years old, it's inspired by the devil, then we think like, and we think, okay, listen, if it's not the right translation, and if the sermon isn't long enough, or let's take it even a step further, okay? Because our church, we occupy the charismatic space. And we occupy this space of, listen, we believe in the permanence of the gifts of the Spirit. And some people, for them, we're not charismatic enough. And the reason we're not charismatic enough is because worship isn't an hour and a half long, just the songs. And so they go, listen, you're not open to the Spirit. And what they're doing is they're confusing customs with convictions. They're confusing, okay, like, this is the way that I like church to be. And it's not that, okay, the Bible has said that this is right or this is wrong. It's just, this is where I am comfortable. This is what I've come from. And this is so big, okay? What I'm telling you is that you're here because a group of people gave up their customs but maintained their convictions. And our church rests in this. We do not confuse the two. And can I just tell you this? Okay, look. Um, we have a mode of church happening right now, and it changes constantly. Do you know why? Because we grow, we learn new things, we find new things are effective in ministry, we find things resonate with people, it ministers to their souls. In fact, you should just know this. Um, how our church looks in 10 years is not how it's going to look right now. Hey, our church, like in just a couple months, is going to go through a dramatic shift where the entire feel of Sunday morning is going to become different. And what some people will do is they'll long for the good old days. And they'll go like, oh, man, remember back when we were there at Toddy's? And remember when the room was pitch black? And remember, like, when the, remember when the air conditioning didn't work? And, like, <laughs> like you know? Like wasn't, and we could just sense God was in that place. And what you're doing is you're confusing the thing that God used with God himself. The reason that we do church the way that we do is it comes out of our mission. Week one, we talk about this. Our church exists to connect people to Jesus Christ. And if at any point our custom gets in the way of conviction, our custom is in the wrong. Now, let me be clear. Am I suggesting that we only have content here that's palatable, that never confronts? No, I'm not saying that at all. If you know me, you know I'm not saying that. Okay. But what I am saying is I want to make sure that it's the gospel that offends, not the way that we do church. Let me say it like, well, what's the big deal? Okay, like, why is it we have the lights on the wall and the screens and the, you know, why is it the, the kids' environments, like, they connect with kids at all ages of their, like, like, right where they are? Like, why is it that we take great pain to provide environments to meet people where they are? Well, it, it's like this. So, um, and for some of you right now, I'm about to cash in my man card, okay? And I, I apologize, but not enough to change anything. So, um, so one of my favorite things in the world to do is go shopping, okay? I, like, I, was, I was at the Christiana Mall yesterday. I love shopping malls. I love, like, everything about it. I don't even have to buy anything, but I love to just walk around the mall. I like the air conditioning. I like the 80s music. I like the smells of Annie Ann's pretzels just bombarding me where I walk. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you just go in that mall, and you're going to hear some Jefferson Starship at some point. Like, you know, and we can build this dream together. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, I, I love shopping. I love, I love to go in different stores and just see the things that exist. I love, like, like I love to say, oh, man, that's a cool shirt. 
shirt and oh, that's, those are neat shoes and oh man, that's a cool juicer and like I, lo- I, like, I love it, I love it. Of every mall that I've ever been to though, they share a common theme. There is one store that I don't like going in. Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Do you know why? Because there's nothing for me there. They sell products I will never wear. That might be TMI. But, uh, Good choice. Thank you. Colognes I'll never or not colognes, perfumes I'll never put on, right? And when I walk in the place, okay, so there are no products for me. But then even like the entire environment is off-putting for me. Like, everything's pink, you know? And, like, and there's just like giant like pictures of half-naked women on the walls and mannequins. I mean, like, it's just, and like, everything about it, like, I'm just, like, so uncomfortable. Like, just look at the floor. Like, like just look at the, and it's not, it's not even, like, a lust thing. It's just, like, I'm terrified that if I, like, glance up from the floor for a split second too long, like, I want to, like, just drop her back and just go, like, perfect. Like, so, so, like, so, so I'm just, like, oh, gosh, right? I'm, like, I'm just terrified of being judged in there. I'm terrified of, like, the entire place. I hate it. Like, it's just not for me. Okay, hey, stay with me. Stay with me. Why is he talking about this? Why am I talking about this space where the entire atmosphere says, birth, this is not for you? And I'm terrified of being judged by people while I'm in there. Because for some people, that is church. For some people, and maybe, come on. The moment, if you're new, the moment you arrived here today, you were terrified of somebody telling you how you weren't good enough. Oh, they don't, they don't, you don't speak the language that we speak. You don't, you don't have the heritage that we have. You can't be part of this. And just over and over and over again, what is communicated to you, and hopefully not here, but you've had it happen, is that this is a space that is not for you. And what I want you to hear from me is that this space is for everybody. Okay. The entire environment. Like, listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking other churches. I'm not knocking other customs because they minister to people's souls. Okay? Like, listen, if you come from a space where, man, like, that hymn speaks to you, that stained glass speaks to you, praise God, yes and amen. Go after the Lord there with all of your heart. But the reason that we do church the way that we do, the reason that it feels so informal, the reason I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt, the, the reason, like, that's... I know what, okay, like what, the, the reason like we have the lights and, and we have the greeters and we have the coffee and, and, and we have people just try to go out of their way to love on you before you've done anything is we want to make sure that there's space for you to hear the gospel and not let our customs get in the way. That's why we do church in the way that we do. It's because we look at stories like this where they went, you know what, I'm going to give up all of my preferences so that somebody can know Christ. And we go, that's the right heart. That's the right heart. Can I say this? Okay, this is so important, you guys. Can I say this in this age where so many of us, we treat church like it's Burger King, where if it's not our way right away, we're done. If we're going off of this, let me just explain something to you. It's not about you. Hey, can you give up your preferences? Can you be sacrificial? Can you like set your way aside so that somebody won't spend an eternity apart from God? I think that's worth it. 
And that's where, like, we get that from this. It's one of the reasons I love, man, look, we're about to go into a school. You know why that's awesome? Because we'll connect with people in a brand new way. I love it, like, when we first pitched this at one of our elders' meetings, I love, like, I watched Drew, he's sitting back there, Drew Jensen's face just light up when we said this, and Drew was just like, yes. And we were like, why? And he goes, because people who will never set foot in a church will set foot in that space. And this is our mission, right? Our church exists to connect people to Jesus, even babies. And I want to be clear here. We intentionally remove from the space religious language and over-religiosity so that we can all be on equal footing. Look, there are other ways that, that we could make this feel more spiritual. We could. But for us, we've decided to just be like, you know what? We want to make sure that our customs aren't the thing that drive somebody away from God. Like, look, I, uh, I, I planted this church, not part of my church that I was a part of in Massachusetts. And the reason that, that like, we, we left all that was it wasn't there was a lack of offer. There was. It's just my church in Massachusetts um, were charismatically nuts. Like, I love them, but I would never bring an unbeliever to their church. Because, look, okay, worship is going to go on, just the song. It's going to go on for an hour and a half. There are going to be people waving flags and screaming. Um, there would be men dancing effeminately on the front row. Like, uh, it's just like, mm? Okay. Um, and so we made the choice, hey, let's be open to the presence and power of the Spirit, but not look crazy when we do that. Which, by the way, is 1 Corinthians 14. Um, and let's create a space for people to receive the gospel, not where we'd like them to be, but where they are. You understand the difference? That's why we do church in the way that we do. And it changes constantly. This is not, uh, and, and if it could change, by the way, if it could change for the disciples who receive their church means <laughs> on stone from on high, it can change for us who we just, we, we picked it up along the way and we like it. Okay, so, so where do we go with that? What, what do we do with that? Well, what we do is this. We resolve in our hearts to not confuse customs and convictions, and we make it our goal. And you're like, man, this is not a very dramatic ending. I know, but that's what I got. Um, we make ourselves a church of people who are committed, listen to me, a group of people who are committed to reaching the lost and moving whatever we've got to move to make that happen. Does that make sense? Okay. That's the why. That's the why. Is it, is it the, the best way? I don't know, but it's our way. And that's how we do it. All right, so let me pray for us. Father, we thank you because you love your kids, and we thank you because you are moving among us. We said this earlier. Guys, I'm just gonna say this again. We operate with the belief and conviction, and that is that word, conviction, in stone, that lost people matter to God. And guys, maybe while you're sitting here today, um, you're realizing that you're lost. Maybe like where you are is, is you realize that you have no relationship with God. What I want you to hear from me is that his mind has never left you. He loves you and he wants you. So if you would say that you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to, I'm, I'm gonna pray. 
Um, I just invite you to pray with me, and here's what we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for, for, for running from you. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me and that you raised him from the dead so that I can have new life with you. Lord, here's my heart. Please come into it. Please fill me with your spirit and show me how to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you next week, okay?